Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Oh, good afternoon, everyone. Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here once again with the last week in mortgage today, our weekly whirlwind through all the latest and greatest in the mortgage industry. Each week, I am pleased to be joined by one of our lender members as my co-host, and this week in the co-pilot seat, the president of Mortgage Lending for Centennial Bank, Keith Little. Keith, good to see you, man. Good to see you too, Rich. Big last few months for Centennial Bank. You guys acquired a fellow TMC member. We love when that happens. Happy State Bank, great little community bank in Texas that makes you guys... I think I saw like one of the 75 biggest banks in America, 23, 24 billion in assets. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Thank you. We're uh, we're excited about it. Uh, you know, it's a great state to get into. There's a lot of great people down there. Uh, it, it's been a lot of fun uh, working through it. It's been time consuming, but, uh, you know, I think we're bringing on a great team down there and build something great together. It's awesome. And then Forbes recognized Centennial as the number one bank in Arkansas. But maybe better than all that, you hit your five-year anniversary as a TMC member as well recently. Yeah, that, that's the real news there. <laughs> you guys have been putting up with us for five years now. <laughs> I remember we met, you were running cap markets at the time, and we met at one of the MBA conferences. And uh, you know, you're like, you know what? I, I think you guys got a good thing going here. I'm, I'm in on this. It was way at the beginning. I appreciate that. And I remember that meeting like it was yesterday. Yeah, it, it made a lot of sense then. It still does. And uh, we've been happy to be a part of it. That's awesome. Well, I always like to let, have our co-host kind of level set uh, for the audience. If you could tell us just a little bit about Centennial Bank's mortgage banking operation, general size, scope, anything else of uh, note before we get into it. Uh, sure. I guess uh, the size of the bank's moving target uh, once we close this acquisition. But uh, we're primarily retail. Uh, we do a, a little bit of consumer direct. It's more distributed retail. Um then we primary markets are going to be Arkansas and Florida, and then we'll be happy to add the uh, the Texas markets to it. Uh, production uh, last two years has been just under a billion. Um, hadn't quite crossed that mark yet, but uh, we keep flirting with it. So, excellent. Well, let's go ahead and get into it. And we were joking before we went live. Not a lot of great news in the headlines for the mortgage industry <laughs> to discuss right now. So. Uh, let's start. Fannie Mae does their home purchase sentiment index monthly, basically weighing the sentiment of uh, potential home buyers across America. And just 25% said it was a quote unquote good time to buy right now. That's the lowest in the history of that index. That's uh, never a good thing. And the pessimism, uh, even stronger with younger consumers. Uh, Want to be home buyers between the ages of 18 and 34. Um, 83% said it was a bad time to buy a house. Only 14% said it was a good time. A lot of frustration out there right now amongst people that want to buy homes. And it seems like that frustration is amplified amongst young people. Uh, I don't, you know, it, it's kind of like a sign of the times right now. It's not a great time to buy a house right now. I was talking to a friend that, that's my age, you know, so I'm early 40s last week. And he said, you know, they told their realtor to just quit sending them stuff unless it was exactly what they wanted. Um, you know, if they're in a position that they're planning on keeping their existing house and renting it and, and buying a new house to live in. And uh, he said they just got tired of 
the prices for stuff that that wasn't what they were looking for. And he was like, I just told them to quit sending me emails. And, you know, whenever they find exactly what we're looking for, we'll jump. But uh, I think that pessimism is, is falling over. And then, you know, like you said, with we've got all this news. Every survey says things are bad and people don't want to buy a house. But we've also got the economists telling us that this is going to be a, a record year for, for purchases. So I, I, don't, I don't know how those two two numbers are going to add up. The economists just, they can never figure out the mortgage industry. It, it never right. And, you know, I think this year, yeah, they were, you know, most economists were predicting an eight to 9% tick up uh, purchase transactions versus last year and rates to slowly ascend to the level that uh, by the end of the year that they hit on like January 10th. So right out of the gates, uh, a couple curveballs for, the mortgage industry and want to be home buyers. And it doesn't seem like there's any end in sight to what's going on right now. Home values just keep going up because there's this great divide in America, but kind of between the haves and the have nots. And uh, especially as it relates to home ownership and, and people are still buying homes. The homes that are out there are getting bought, uh, but you just see values keep going up. And then now the interest rate part of it, the, Average mortgage payment right now. So if you take the average size loan amount and the average 30-year fixed rate, $1,454 per month. That is up 32% year over year. The average housing cost for somebody that wants to buy a house right now. A pretty significant impediment to home ownership, except for at the, the highest, highest ends. Well, like we were talking about beforehand, you know, that that I've always worried about, you know, when, when all the refis started in 2020, were we kind of robbing from our future a little bit? Um, you know, what's this look like long-term? And then how does this, you know, this sentiment right now affect long-term wealth accumulation in America? You know, home ownership is typically the the biggest vehicle, someone's net worth. And if, if you know, generation's not able to, to buy in, you know, Life's great if you bought in at those levels in, in 08 and, and wrote it, you know, but um, that that's not good long term. Um, and like we're talking, I don't I don't know how you fix that from a policy standpoint, but uh, it, it definitely is going to have bigger impacts. Joke all the time. Housing a lot of times doesn't make the national headlines. It typically doesn't make the stage for like presidential election debates. But right now, you go to pretty much any major media outlet in America, and somewhere on that front page is a story about, uh, you know, the just skyrocketing costs of housing right now and the impediments to home ownership and all the tentacles to that right now. And uh, it just would be fascinated to be a fly on the wall of if it's Marsha Fudge's office or Sandra Thompson or any of these really key housing leaders in America right now, because uh, the change that they wanted to bring to housing in America to uh, break down the home ownership gap and to make home ownership available to minorities and people of low to median income levels in the areas they live. Uh, through no fault of their own, it's just, it's slipping away. It's getting worse and worse and worse each month. And we're almost certain to see some type of government intervention to this problem because it's getting to the point where it's going to be a camp, an election issue in November uh, for the Democrats. And I just, there's no easy answers to this issue though right now. 
I mean, how long have we been struggling to, to figure out how to take the GSEs out of conservatorship? And now you've got, uh, at least this wasn't necessarily policies that got us here. I mean, it was the market forces led us here. But uh, yeah, I don't know how you, you intervened to, to slow that. Um, yeah, we were, you were kind of talking like we made our bed, right? And the Fed, just the hyper-aggressive buying of mortgage bonds. And I remember like every Fed meeting, there was a couple of the Fed governors that would were really giving Jerome Paul a hard time. Like, why the hell do you keep buying so many goddamn mortgage-backed securities? And, you know, he had good justification for it at the time. But you're right. What you said earlier is so true. In addition to all these other issues with housing right now and the impediment to home ownership for somebody that doesn't own a home or somebody that's renting, rents are skyrocketing as well. You have those current homeowners that are in able to be in prospective like move up home buyers that now they're locked into a 30 year fixed rate in the twos that was in artificially lowered by Fed bond buying. And now, in addition to paying more for the next house they want, you got that big bump up in interest rate, and it's just kind of salt in the wound. Well, then, then that goes back to your, you know, affordable housing issue and first-time home buyers. If if the people who are in their first home and are, you know, they're locked out of trading up into a new house, you know, I don't know that we can build our way out of this because there's not enough margin left in home building for, unless it's a really big player to have some scale that can can afford to build an affordable house now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and I think that's got to be part of the solution on this is some sort of incentives or reduction of costs or regulation or fees for home builders to build lower priced homes, to build homes at or below median average, uh, you know, home value prices because the home builders are, they've never done that. And I think that's helped bring us to where we are in terms of the lack of affordable housing in America, especially now with the supply side constraints. All these home builders are public companies, so you can listen to their earnings calls. You can get a look right into their business model. And, you know, they vacillate a little bit, but they're all essentially saying the same thing. Supply issues continue to be a real challenge for them. So they're not doing what you said, which we kind of need, right? And and building gobs of homes and making big speculative bets because one, the cost of supplies is so high and two values are so high. There's some of that fear factor, right? Remember like 06, 07, 08. I remember you do business in Florida. I was with the bank that attempted business in Florida. People were building homes in Florida in like 07 and building an $800,000 house. And like when it was halfway done, the home was, all right, now the home's worth 500,000 and people are just walking away from a half-built home. Yeah, you can't you can't really blame the builders. They um they took it pretty hard last time, and I, I can't blame them at all for trying to be conservative. Um, and just from a timing perspective, you know, it's kind of hard to to build your way out of this. The, I mean, I, I've been trying to find good news. I guess in you know in the survey you're talking about, there was some good news that was it sixty three or eighty three percent of the respondents thought it was a good time to sell. Um, if yeah. if that's the case, maybe that's how we fix the supply thing. If everybody think you know gets the idea this spring of let's list. Um, I think a lot of people stayed on the sidelines because they knew they could sell their house immediately, but they couldn't find something else. So it's kind of a, a chicken and the egg. Somebody's got to move first. Um, and if people start listing, then maybe that, maybe that helps us out a little bit. 
Yeah, because right now I, I saw the stat uh, in some of the notes just prepping for the show. Total home inventory for sale right now in America, it's less than 300,000. That is less than 50% of what it was right just before the pandemic hit. That's crazy. I mean, that that's a 55% drop in the amount of homes nationally that are for sale. Well, and it, it's not like inventory was was at a great level before that anyway. I mean, that was that was our biggest problem in the 19 market was a lack of inventory, a lack of affordable inventory. You know, there's there's nothing for first time home buyers to buy. And now it's twice as bad. That's a great point. We were bitching about inventories two years ago. <laughs> they were, oh my God, it's, you know, three months supply, four months supply, whatever it was. And now we're at less than 50% of that level with interest rates higher and home values higher. And it just, it's again, because you just know how these things work with politics in America, because it's starting to really affect and touch and reach Joe American and reach uh, the news headlines. Uh, and then you've had a very aggressive administration just in terms of, you know, the rhetoric on things they want to do with housing. It's going to be so fascinating to see what happens, because I think you, you're going to have potentially like unprecedented, not counting the meltdown, levels of government attempted intervention into our industry, into housing to try to fix this issue. And nobody, including you and I, can sit here and intelligently speculate on what it might be. Well, and it, it, it just historically, every time we try to intervene and stop a market, um, it usually isn't just a gentle uh, correction of any sort. Exactly. Let the market forces uh, play themselves out. But I doubt we'll see that. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. And uh, we'll be tracking it one Tuesday at a time on this show throughout the course of the year. So uh, some more positive news, even though it negatively impacted mortgage rates, the jobs report last Friday was really good. And uh, I haven't looked at the 10 year in the last few hours, but it was like at 196 this morning, approaching that the the kind of watershed 2% mark. Um, but that's the other part of it too, is like the economy is chugging along. It really is. And, uh, and, and, you know, and that's putting more pressure as well on bond yields and mortgage rates. Yeah, I mean, people, uh, job job creation is a good thing. Um, you know, well, you got a problem if uh, if rates are low, but nobody has a job, then that doesn't that doesn't do anybody any good. So, I mean, that is some a bright spot in there that uh, that we're getting folks back. So, I don't know, maybe uh, you know that was the goal of this administration to hit that mythical full uh, full employment number. Uh, we'll we'll see if we get there or not. Uh, then then what it costs us to get there. This is the last week in mortgage today. I'm Rich Swabinski with the Mortgage Collaborative. This week, joined by the president of mortgage lending for Centennial Bank, Keith Little. Keith, on a more humorous front, the mortgage broker channel, like it's just, you know, being an organization of really not any mortgage brokers and just kind of watching that piece of the industry from afar. It's just been one amusing interesting headline after another and the whole it was you know about a year ago united wholesale with uh you know bend the knee you, you sell the rocket or fairway yeah uh, you can't sell the uwm or we'll sue you and you know i kind of speculated that you can't really start suing all these brokers how's he going to check it well he's suing brokers <laughs> yeah i mean uh 
I hate to, to make any comments that it ended up getting me sued, but you know, um, <laughs> it, yeah, um, it, it's an interesting business model, but on the flip side, um, you, you got to read the contracts and the agreements you, you sign. And, um, it's, you know, it, it looks like a lot of people signed agreements that, that kind of joined them at the hip to UHM. Um, and you know, it, it looked like they didn't, you know, there was no capital in going after the people that just did a little bit, but the ones that, that did a lot, they seem to be, I'll, I'll say it's going to be interesting to, to watch and I'm going to be happy to be on the sidelines to watch it. Um, I hope it doesn't create just, um, you know, some media coverage that paints an entire industry with broad strokes um, and brings negative attention to the whole business. I hate that because it seems like at least once every two or three months, there's some sort of like, you know, if it's the better.com guy, Zoom firing people or Ishbia from United Wholesale doing whatever. Uh, yeah, that, that that there's something in the news that's negative about some some leader and some aspect of the mortgage industry. And I hope this doesn't become a train wreck. We invited Matt Ishbia on the rundown with Rob and Rich on Friday to talk about all this. So uh, no, no reply yet to our email, but uh, we'll see what happens. I would be fascinated to have the conversation with them about the strategy and how it's working and uh, you know, some of the blowback he's gotten and all that, but uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, the, another piece of potentially good news, I think it seems like a near certainty right now that FHA is going to lower their mortgage insurance premiums. They said, they came out and said they were going to review it and address it after the end of the first quarter. They may even be reassessing that at this point um, with the affordability issue just worsening by the day. Seems likely, right, that we're going to get an FHA MIP decrease? Yeah, I, I mean, from from my perspective, it seems likely. Um, you know, we were we were there once before. I think uh, this would be the administration that would happen under. Uh, so it didn't happen last time. And I think that's good. Uh, that's good for affordable housing. Of course, now that means that maybe, maybe you know, March, April, uh, a loan, FHA loan will be as affordable as it was last week. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, your insurance premium uh, monthly and annual is lower, but there's still no homes to buy. But uh We'll see what happens there. Um, and then what about, you know, I, we've seen, there's been a few different reports, including one from CoreLogic, just about fraud in general, right? We're in the tight, the, the, the cyclical mortgage industry. We've both been through both both sides of the roller coaster hill in this industry a few times. And, um, you know, the 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 uphill we're, we're seeing right now where, you know, all purchases and tough to make deals and margins are shrinking and home buyers are competing tough against one another. It's the type of environment where you see more fraud. And there's been some reports indicating that nothing at alarming levels now, but something I'm sure that's on your mind more today as a leader than it was a year ago. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you kind of expect when, it, when the market shifts more to purchase away from refi, there's a lot more opportunity to uh, for, for fraud. And, you know, it's, it's just the day and age we're in, you know, if I don't, if I don't recognize a number on my cell phone, I don't answer it because it's, it's, it's probably a bot calling from somewhere just to text, test to see if the number's even legit, you know? So, um, and I think that's, you know, when people get busy is, is when guards get let down and, you know, there's those opportunities there. So, you know, 
there hadn't really been an opportunity to to let up on diligence in, in the last couple of years. And I think we don't need to let up. I think it's going to need to get strengthened this year. Yeah. And I think the thing that's different from certainly 0708 is just technology in general prevents a lot of fraud that prevents a lot of stuff from kind of getting past the goalie, not all of it, but a lot of the new technology we've seen work between the mortgage industry does mitigate a lot of that, but occupancy fraud, you know, a couple of people I've talked with, uh, something that they're more concerned about, I think going forward, just, you know, somebody, especially with some of the increased costs now on second homes and, uh, that, that, that's something you could see a tick up in any, any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I guess uh, FHFA helped us out that we don't have to worry about people uh, pretending an investment property is a second home anymore since they're going to be priced the same. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, occupancy fraud is kind of the oldest one in the book. And I think uh, with that pressure on second homes, I, I think there's definitely a chance to see a lot of folks, you know, trying to buy homes. And maybe it's couples that buy it in one of the spouse's names and try to claim it as primary residence. So I think, uh, you know, checking on kicking the tires on that collateral and, and, you know, the reasonableness of, of the scenario is going to be important. This is the last week in mortgage today. I'm Rich Swerbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative this week, joined by the president of Mortgage Lending for Centennial Bank, Keith Little. Uh, we've got about six, seven minutes left with Keith. Anybody has any comments, questions, feel free to drop them in the chat with the Q&A and uh, we'll incorporate them into the show and just kind of moving on to the general business climate uh, right now, Keith. Um, a recruiting frenzy is how I would describe it. I think that everybody is recruiting loan originators. Really, I just, you know, in talking to our members uh, at uh, some events we've been at and uh, shows like this, and just uh, during the course of these last couple of weeks, extreme focus on operational efficiency with the back office and ways to save costs and be more efficient and then growing volume. If it's through, you guys made an acquisition of a bank or recruiting LOs or a channel strategy? How would you classify the LO recruiting climate right now? Uh, it, it's it's pretty hot and intense uh, competition. And, um, you know, we're, we're seeing people send our LOs P&Ls uh, to open up branches and, and, and not necessarily doing as good a market research about what, what works in different markets, but just kind of throwing offers out there. Um, I think where there was a lot of competition for for ops talent that's switching and and there's going to be a lot more competition for sales talent this year. You know, when the markets get tough, the that top tier um, producer, they still do OK. Um, and, you know, your top tier realtors have still got houses to list since there's more realtors than there are houses on the market right now. You know, so those those top tier people are going to be in demand. And I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of people chasing them and. We've got an extra element this year that, you know, how many how many big lenders went public um, over the last year that sometimes the, the old business models they use may not work. Uh, there may be more pressure for return that uh, I think causes even more more competition. Yeah, especially with all their stock prices in the tank, every single mortgage company that went public is just uh, way down from from IPO. And it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. You know, we talked about United Wholesale earlier, they're way down. I mean, and they've been, I've talked to members of ours that are in the wholesale channel. And, you know, what they tell me is, man, like you, between UWM and Rocket, just 
they're just going after each other. They're still they're pricing right into the teeth of this slowdown, and it's just tough to win business. It's tough to be priced right, and you know that's obviously a market share play and trying to squeeze the other out. But you know you're a public company now, and every quarter it's all out there for your investors and everybody to see. So. Uh, going to be interesting to see some retail lenders, Guild and Loan Depot's got big. Re- it's be interesting to see how they handle that because it's a different dynamic being public. We haven't seen a lot of public mortgage companies historically. No, that'll that'll at least keep it more interesting. Uh, you know, it's probably a great time to be an LO. Um, you, every, everybody's always got a choice, you know, and so I think that's where uh, you got to take care of your people and 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 remind them that you know. There are other things just besides a basis point, you know, execution matters. And, you know, for everything that's going to go, you know, everybody focus on efficiencies and stuff, you know, technology is great. And, you know, you can get a bot to, to process a, a file that works great, but, you know, it's still a relationship business and you still got to have people. Yep, absolutely. And uh, along that note, it's like, you know, most mortgage lenders are overstaffed right now. Uh, even ones that, that, grew more conservatively and just weren't throwing money and bodies at all the refi business these last couple of years, even the ones that approach that more prudently uh, are, you know, are overstaffed to some level right now. And, uh, you know, just talking to some of our members, they're like, man, I'm okay being like 10, 15% overstaffed, but not 50 or 40, but it's kind of a double-edged sword because right now you're trying to retain your best loan originators. You're trying to recruit new ones any good salesperson or head of a division is confident and thinks they're going to do that. So it's, you know, kind of like with the, with the sell a home, buy a home thing, it's like the chicken and the egg. You're out there recruiting, the volume slowed down. It's, it's a lot to manage right now. Now, the good thing for us is that, you know, I don't know that we're, we're overstaffed. Maybe we're, we're more right size now. Um, And, you know, just from a moral standpoint, not, not having to work everybody quite as hard. Um, it, it, it's kind of nice if everybody can get a little, you know, catch their breath. There, there hadn't been any chance for operations to really catch their breath in the last two years. Um, no matter what you did, there, it wasn't enough. There was more coming from every way. So, you know, uh, if, if everything does materialize, uh, you know, we've got a busy spring, at least if we've got a little downtime right here to retool and, you know, catch a break. I, I don't think anybody's going to complain about that. <laughs> and there's no shortage of demand out there. There are so many people that want to buy homes. And, you know, if something can move the needle, if it's uh, rates to come down or values to stabilize or something to be done, uh, you know, to kind of help the supply side of things short term or medium term, uh, it could still be a really good year for purchase because there is a lot of demand out there. But um, some of the other things that have come up, fair lending compliance, mortgage servicing rights are flying all over the place right now. A lot of buying and selling of MSRs, non-conforming products. Uh, again, on this part of the cycle, volume down, purchase only, wanting to have every, every product and every tool in your arsenal. Any, anything in there that is uh, top of mind with you as we, as we get into the heart of winter here? Uh, well, you know, fair lending uh, compliance doesn't bother me. We've, we've always been overly conservative there. Um, and so when, when playing fields get leveled, that's always good uh, for everybody. And, I, you know, with the with the product, sure, when things slow down and it goes purchase, everybody wants to try to get everything they can. But you also, you got to 
you know, make decisions like a lot of lenders are doing right now. And okay, you can't be everything for everybody. You know, you got to look at, at what you're good at um, and not, if you try to do everything, you end up being not good at any of it. So. Very well said. It uh, It's a great point. And yeah. It's every LO wants every product known to man and uh, you know, and then typically get six, eight, nine months down the road. And like, Oh, we haven't originated any of that. Uh, <laughs> I brought in three investors for that. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, sign of the times and sign of the part of the cycle we're in right now. But uh, Keith always enjoy talking about the mortgage industry with you. Greatly appreciate you joining me today. And for those that haven't seen it, uh, our VP member engagement, Faith Howard Mooney, uh, does a great series called Inside the TMC Family, where she picks uh, you know different lender member of ours each week and does like a little six, seven minute interview with them about their uh, entry into the mortgage industry and a little bit about them personally. And Keith was the most recent uh, uh, member that we had on that show. That's on our YouTube channel. So uh, it's been a Keith Little February for TMC. Hard, hard times at TMC. You're having to scrape <laughs> the bottom of the barrel these days. <laughs> but Keith, that's why we love you, man. Uh, and uh, thank you once again for joining me. And uh, to all of our attendees, thank you so much for taking 30 minutes out with us. Uh, continue to be here every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern with the last week in mortgage today. Until then, have a great week, everyone. Thanks again, Keith. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Take care, bud. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.